from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're reflecting on a dark day for British civil liberties, the time when a paramilitarized police force led a brutal attack against a group of unarmed activists. The day was June 1st, 1985. A convoy of nearly 600 New Age travelers was assaulted by British police on its way to an annual event at Stonehenge. The event later became known as the Battle of the Beanfield, as much of the violence took place in a field adjacent to the historic monument. However, the word battle doesn't accurately reflect what happened that day. Although some travelers did attempt to fight back, they were outnumbered two to one, making the clash decidedly one-sided in the police's favor. By the end of the day, numerous unarmed travelers had been severely beaten, their vehicles had been destroyed, and nearly everyone present had been arrested, with many families deliberately broken up and sent to separate police stations. The New Age travelers were something of an offshoot of the hippie culture of the 1960s. Developed in the 1970s, the British movement aimed to create an alternative lifestyle based on individualism, New Age beliefs, 
and environmental sustainability. The travelers got their name from their nomadic way of life. They lived in cars, vans, or modified buses, and traveled from one musical festival or fair to the next. The movement grew substantially during the early years of Margaret Thatcher's first term as Prime Minister. When she took office in May of 1979, the British unemployment rate was 5.3%, but by spring of 1984, it had risen to the dramatic peak of 11.9%. With fewer and fewer jobs available, thousands more citizens lost faith in conventional society and instead took to the open road where they formed their own groups and sought to live more simply. The travelers organized many free festivals throughout England, with one of the largest being the People's Free Festival at Stonehenge. The annual event began in 1974 as a way to celebrate the summer solstice, and it grew in popularity and attendance year after year. In 1984, the 10-year anniversary of the event, the Department of the Environment handed off management of Stonehenge and the surrounding area to English Heritage, a charity that maintains historic monuments and buildings. The festival went on as scheduled that year, with an estimated 100,000 people attending over the course of six weeks. But English Heritage wasn't used to having massive parties held at the historic sites it managed. They voiced their concerns, along with local residents, and eventually secured a high court injunction to prevent the festival from being held the following year. In 1985, many travelers stayed clear of the Forbidden Festival, but a group calling themselves the Peace Convoy decided not to take no for an answer. On the morning of June 1st, a procession of about 140 vehicles slowly made its way through the rural countryside. As they neared the monument, they found the way forward was blocked by police barricades. The vehicles at the front of the line slowed to a stop, and some of the travelers tried to negotiate with the police. It didn't go so well. All at once, the police started smashing windshields and dragging out the occupants. The unarmed travelers were then beaten with truncheons, and those who tried to escape were pelted with whatever the officers had on hand. Clubs, shields, stones, even fire extinguishers. More than 1,300 officers from six different counties and the Ministry of Defense were on hand that day. The operation had been planned months in advance, and negotiating was never part of it. After the initial wave of assaults, most of the vehicles sought refuge in a nearby bean field. The police quickly caught up with them and a tense standoff ensued for more than four hours. The travelers tried to dissuade the police from further violence during this time. They explained, though the police likely already knew, that they were unarmed families, men, women, and children, who posed no threat to anyone. The eventual response came from Assistant Chief Constable Lionel Grundy. He ordered the arrest of all 600 travelers, regardless of age, and authorized the use of force to do it. And so, at 7 p.m. that evening, the police donned their riot gear and began their final bloody assault against the peace convoy. One of the few members of the press to witness the event was a journalist named Nick Davies. In an article for The Observer, Davies described the violence he saw, writing, quote, They were like flies around rotten meat, 
and there was no question of trying to make a lawful arrest. They crawled all over, truncheons flailing, hitting anybody they could reach. There was glass breaking, people screaming, black smoke towering out of burning caravans, and everywhere there seemed to be people being bashed and flattened and pulled by the hair. Men, women, and children were led away, shivering, swearing, crying, bleeding, leaving their homes in pieces. Over the years, I had seen all kinds of horrible and frightening things, and always managed to grin and write it. But as I left the bean field, for the first time, I felt sick enough to cry. In the end, more than 500 travelers were arrested that day, the largest mass arrest of civilians since at least World War II, and one of the largest in English legal history. There weren't enough cells to detain that many people locally, so many members of the peace convoy were transported to different counties, some as far away as northern England. There was no effort to ensure that parents and children were kept together either. Meanwhile, back in the bean field, the police began systematically destroying the travelers' vehicles, which for most were also their homes. Every vehicle there was smashed beyond repair, and several more were set on fire. Seven healthy dogs belonging to the travelers were rescued from the vehicles, only to be put to sleep by officers from the RSPCA. When the smoke cleared, eight police officers and 16 travelers had been hospitalized. As for the 537 people arrested, they were all charged with obstruction of the police and the highway. The majority of those charges were later dismissed, with few actually resulting in prosecution. Twenty-four members of the peace convoy later sued the Wiltshire police for assault and criminal damage. The travelers found an unexpected ally in their case, the Earl of Cardigan, a wealthy, conservative landowner who had allowed the convoy to camp on his property the night before the assaults. On June 1st, the Earl had followed behind the convoy on his motorbike, and witnessed the violence firsthand. He later testified against the police, saying that they had given the travelers no time to comply with orders before resorting to extreme violence. He described how officers had covered their ID badges while smashing the travelers' homes with hammers. Most disturbingly, the Earl recounted seeing a pregnant woman, quote, repeatedly clubbed on the head by an officer. The Earl's testimony lent credence to the traveler's claims and got him labeled as a class traitor by the right-wing press. Despite his assistance, though, the case dragged on in court for seven years. The travelers eventually won and were awarded £24,000 in damages, but because the judge declined to award their legal costs, the money just went to paying legal fees. It didn't feel like much of a victory, and that's probably because the real battle had been lost years ago. In 1986, the Public Order Act extended restrictions on unlawful assembly and trespassing, making it nearly impossible to organize free festivals in England, whether at Stonehenge or pretty much anywhere else. The traveler's counterculture lifestyle was being stamped out by the established order, and the final blow was dealt in 1994, when the Criminal Justice Act gave police the power to shut down virtually any event with free live music. The era of the free music festival and all that it stood for was over. Live music would still be played, of course, 
but only when and where the state allowed, and always with a cover charge. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.